Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, what's up, young world? To episode number 10, Savon's Legendary Podcast. And this guy I got on here, man, he's a close personal friend of mine. We've been rocking for some, damn, how long has it been? It's been shit. about 102, 103. 100, 102, 103 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. Uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, this man is a very decorated, accomplished vocalist, writer, producer. Uh, I don't even want to go down his accolades. It'll run all the time out this mother. Shoe fanatic. Can't forget shoe fanatic. <laughs> shoe fanatic. Yes, that is a fact. For the sure. Incomparable. <laughs> World renowned, legendary. <laughs> Tony Terry makes some noise. <laughs> What's going on with you? What's going on with you? What's up, Tony? You moving around, man. You I am around. You know what? I'm trying to get settled into what I think is the, the right space, the right vibe for this interview. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think I got it now. You think you got it? Yeah, I think I got it. All right, all right. So listen, yeah. man. Uh, you know, I didn't tell nobody that I was gonna get my brother on here. I, I wanted to be a surprise because you know what? People tell me. How come I haven't heard nothing from Tony Terry? I said, shit, you ain't following him. I don't know. He out here. He moving. Yeah, I am. I'm really, I'm really blessed in that regard. Yeah, we, we, we're keeping it moving. Well, listen, with this pandemic, that's, I don't know if the shit is over or is it starting again? I don't know where it's at, but I know for me as a performer and a writer, it got tough during this pandemic. How did you hold up through it? Um, it was, it was interesting. Uh, that's my man, Red. What up? ABC, <laughs> another bad creation. It is. One of their founding members. He in here okay. working on some heat. Yeah, he in here working on some heat. Um, um, and so, listen, okay, so at the beginning of the pandemic, like everyone else, I had to figure, because my schedule was wiped out here, brother. My, my schedule, my schedule was wiped out. I mean, I was full until December, and then, then, then there was nothing. And then I had to, uh, after about four weeks, I mean, I, I was good in the sense that I had just signed right before the pandemic. I just signed a new recording deal, which was really lucrative. It was really sweet. So I wasn't really worried about money. And um, so I was able to keep the family afloat, but working, you know. You know, going from being busy to staying in the house wasn't fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun. Um, I ain't talked to nobody. I I didn't I didn't I didn't go in the presence of nobody for five months solid. Really? Well, see, I I didn't. Um, I won't say that I, that I didn't take it that seriously, but it, I can't stay. I can't sit idle because then I I just can't. You know, after a while, I have to do something. So what I started doing two things. And one was, you know, just getting out, walking by myself with my mask on, you know, in the park or wherever. And the other thing was um, Tony Terry Tuesday, which didn't start out as Tony Terry Tuesday. It started out mm. being called chilling at the house on a Tuesday like the rest of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a little long, you know what I'm talking about? So, <laughs> so uh, I started doing it every Tuesday and, and it evolved into Tony Terry Tuesday. And it was really for me to have something to do. You know, I had never done a Facebook Live or anything like that. So mm -hmm. um, I was learning how to use use the, the, the platform. And um, it, it was working out for me. People started tuning in and 
I was, I was, I, I know I was on that. I know I was on that thing. I was like, okay, and he's singing songs I never heard. Like right, you yeah. outside of your box too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was doing cover songs and just songs I grew up listening to, and you know, stuff stuff I liked. It was for me, you know. And then uh, people started responding to it in a way that I could not have imagined. You know how important it, it became to them really quickly. So I, I kept doing it, and often, oftentimes, I didn't even feel like it. You know, I didn't want to. For real. But I really, I felt like it was, it was something bigger than me. It was, it was like a service that I was providing, even if it was just an hour of a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, a distraction wow. that people needed. Oh, you was giving. Yeah, and so I was doing it. Um, you know, every Tuesday I would just do a live for one hour. Sometimes I go two. You know, it just depends on how much fun I was having. Then I started, you know, uh, yeah. upping the upping the production level. I had to do a. I got invited to do a couple of Zoom performances, and my first couple of them were pretty horrible. Not because you know the performance or anything, but because of the platform and not knowing how to broadcast. I was about to say, listen, Tony. You know, I listen. You not you not you not extra technically inclined. Okay, <laughs> I know that. But yeah. once you get it. You got it. Got it. Right, right, right. So it took me about three months to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, how to do a, you know, how to make the sound good on Zoom, for example, because Zoom doesn't like they do not like live performances. So Zoom, the Zoom platform hears music as background noise and tries to cancel it out. So I had to try to figure that out. Um, because the, the gigs that I was being offered were on Zoom. Mm. You know, I wanted I wanted to make the best of it. So I figured it out. Um and, uh, you know, I just started getting calls, man, for doing virtual things. I think it was the result of giving, sowing, you know, into the universe that it just started coming back tenfold because I basically worked throughout the entire pandemic. It, if it was virtual, if it was mm-hmm. a social distance, socially distanced gig, you know, I was working. I was getting hired for private things. Mm-hmm. They were paying my rate and the checks were clearing. So what the hell? Um, I went. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's it's really it's really ironic that you say that you did it. You know, sometimes you didn't want to, and as you right. were giving, you start seeing the results of that in ways you may or may not have even anticipated. It's right. funny that you say that because, full disclosure, you know, it's a million million and a half people suffer from this. I'm one of the people that kind of suffer from depression sometimes, right? And yeah, I would get into these. I would get into slumps, time, and it would be like one day I just start reaching out to people that follow me on my social media that I don't even know, never talk to, and say, "Hey, I hope your day is going good." I know we never talk, but hey, I hope you have a blessed day. Just doing little stuff like that, and then I start to do it more, and I found out that making somebody else's day may got me out of the slump. Yeah. I never saw that coming. Wow. You know, well, then, and then full transparency, you know, I started experiencing depression and anxiety as well during that time. Wow. But it didn't have anything to do with the pandemic per se. Right. You know, there were other things going on that, that brought it on, and I was unfamiliar with it. And, um, you know, I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night really panicking. Mm. Three o'clock in the morning. just having, And I had a nice townhouse in the city. And you know, I have to. And it was and it was large, but it wasn't big enough. I had to go outside, catch my breath, tell myself mm, everything. Look at that. And then I started. You know, I was living in this kind of um, um, 
bubble. I mean, in other words, I wasn't sharing my experience with anyone mm. because my pride wouldn't let me. But I, I had, a, I, by this point, I had been doing Tony Terry Tuesday regularly enough that people noticed when I was having a good day and when I wasn't. Wow. And, uh, and they would say, you know, I, they'd ask me how I'm doing, you know, on my live. And I say, I'm good. And they'd be like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. We've been watching too long. We know like, we know you now. And we know that you're not good. So I told my fans that I was suffering from anxiety and depression. And the response from that was amazing. And then after that, after that broadcast, I get a, a call on Messenger. And when I answer it, it's dark. It's black. Mm. And the dude is on the phone in his on in his room, all the lights out, panicking. So he called me to tell me that, you know, he appreciated me coming forth because he was having that moment right then and there. And he couldn't do anything about it. It was pitch black. So I was like, you know, first of all, you have to know that everything's going to be all right. But the first thing you have to do is roll over and turn the light on. You know, something that simple was 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 difficult for him. He turned the light on. And then we started, you know, we started chopping it up, you know. I, I, I mean, he knew who I was, but I didn't know who he was. And he right. introduced himself. And, you know, we just talked. You know, I shared with him my experience. You know, a lot of, a, a lot of what goes wrong in our community is that brothers don't talk to each other. That's a fact. You, you know what I mean? I mean, we, we are, we believe that we're supposed to, that to show any sign of distress, any sign of, um, of a problem in our lives, um, projects as or is perceived as weakness and you know black men have been through it for so long and have it so hard that they don't want anybody to believe that they're weak but it actually takes a really strong person to be willing to admit that he is in trouble whatever that kind of trouble is it's a mental distress or you know physical pain um, I had a friend call me yesterday last night um, wanting to have a, a private conversation about some health issues and of course, um, I'm not a doctor, but hey, he reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, however, even if it's just to not say a word, but just to listen, you know, sometimes, you know, I think that I'm really lucky because I have surrounded um, myself with brothers that pray, mm. brothers that, um, pour, well, brothers that pour, into, we pour into each other. Because mm. I feel like that if, if I'm your friend, it, which I don't allow people to use so casually, mm-hmm. you know, that, that comes with responsibilities, you know, that's right. You know, and, and if I'm not, if I'm not benefiting in some way and being your friend, and I don't necessarily mean finances, but in some cases finances, but if I'm not, if you're not better because of your time with me, then we're wasting time. And likewise, there's no need for us to hang out together. If we're not making if each other not- better with words with you know with business ventures or whatever if we just hanging out chilling i'm too over that <laughs> <Doing nothing. laughs> you know we, we hey, talk, all that. right remind me remind me not to come over your house no more and chill thanks a lot no, well it's not even about listen no i'm <laughs> not, not that chilling ain't cool but i'm saying what i'm saying is you know i like to take something from my encounters with with my brothers of course you know even if it's a nugget or something you know we were we're taping. Um, I won't. I won't say the 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 real name of it, but we're taping a show, uh, or we taped a show. We did like several episodes of it. That was just, that was five brothers 
five guys, different ages, just talking. And it wasn't about a show like that we're setting up for it. So what it was was um, we, we, I invited these dudes over to the townhouse because I wanted to start having um, a fellowship. I wanted the world to see, you know, that black men together are not clowns. That's right. That, you know, we don't we, we don't always have to be talking about sports and women in cars. That we can be talking about real life situations and um, you know matters of the heart, that kind of thing. But and you so, know the problem. The, the problem with that, Tom. Not to cut you off, man. The, the problem with it is. I have these type of conversations that we're having right now all the time, right? But we're not raised. First no, right. of all, first of all, look who if if we have a if we have a, a male figure or father figure in our lives, they got baggage too. They wasn't raised like that. So they, it's hard for no, them to raise us if they in our lives. And then secondly, is our environments as black men. Our environments mm -hmm. speak a different language. We have to be a different way. Yeah, but we have to know, we have to, one, not be content with the way that we are. 100%. You know what I mean? You know, some people are okay with being ignorant. Mm. And then there's some people who seek information. And you're right. Our fathers did not. I grew up with my father in the house, and I love my father till the end of the universe. And we know that that's infinite. Um, but there were things that he didn't know to give me. Like, I didn't say I love you to my dad. He didn't say it to me until I was a grown man because no one said it to him. You know, I love you was implied by the fact that you had a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on your table. That's I love you. You know what I mean? My mother's so now, um, you know, before my father passed, we were saying it every day. Sometimes I just called to say I love you. Yeah, you know, and I, and I do it with my son 10 times, 20 times a day, a lot you know, that I love him and that greatness is within him. And, and it's up to him what he chooses to do with that greatness. Mm -hmm. But it's there. It exists. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I just try to drop nuggets into my son. And, I, you know, but my father didn't know to give me those nuggets. He had to figure it out all, of, all of, on, on his own. And when I realized that he couldn't give me what he didn't have, because there was a time when I was angry for at him for not um, being attentive that makes any sense it makes um, all, it, it makes all the sense and it's it's crazy because my mother who's still with me is that way right but my father who passed in 08 um that 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 changed my life for, forever but it was very similar before he died he was my best friend but all oh, throughout my childhood he would he would just beat i love you into me and my sister's head. And it got to the point like, okay, you love me, I get it, geez. But he told me before he died, he said, son, the reason I tell you I love you so much because there will there may come a time where you need to know, it, know I love you, right. but I'm yeah. not able to tell you. Right. I said. Wow. So wait, you said your dad did that, but your mom doesn't? Yes. Wow, that's interesting. And because then check this out. And, and check this out. My dad never even met his dad. I'll tell you a real quick story because I want to get back to what uh what we have lined up here. Real quick story. And my dad, I realized <laughs> probably when I'm maybe almost 30 years old that my granddad is not my biological father. It was the guy that my grandmother married, but it wasn't my biological father. So I called my mother and said, Mom, hey, uh, 
How come I'm just now realizing that granddad ain't my biological grandfather? He's like, right, I think right. you need to call your father. So I call him, I say, Pop, what's up? He's like, no, that's not, that's not your uh, biological grandfather. I said, well, I'm almost 30 years old. Who's your dad? Tell me about him. He said, well, I never met him, right? He says, but I did get a letter from him. I said, that's great. What did the letter say? It said, hey, son, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I'm in Brazil. I just want to let you know I'm okay. I said, dad, that is amazing. You got a letter from your dad you've never met? I was like, well, when did you get the letter? He said, 1963. I said, my face did that, what your face just did. I said, what? But with going through all that, he still had the wherewithal to tell me I love you. Till it got beaten right here, but my that's, mother, that's who I still probably, have, is different. That's he probably he probably he probably did that because he wanted it so badly, and that makes he sense. Did it. And so he wanted to make sure that he was on top of that with his kids. And I, I'm I'm so grateful that he, you know, did that. I'm so grateful for whatever the reason, because you know, hearing those words, especially to a to a young man, to a boy growing up, you know, it's important because you know we. We, we grow up, or grew, I grew up believing that, or being told that I couldn't even cry. Mm. Until, uh, or unless I'm gonna give you a reason to cry. Stop that crying. So nothing, I couldn't even cry. Wow. You know what I mean? Stop that crying. Boys don't do all that. Then what am I supposed to do? Wow. What am I supposed, what am I supposed to do when I'm hurting? So I can't cry. I can't, I can't show anything like you know that I'm hurting. But I, I'm a Pisces. So I'm, a, mm. I'm an emotional being. So that could not be kept under wraps for me. Do you, you find yourself? I mean? Do you find yourself expressing some of those feelings through song? Do I do? I'm just, I'm not that dude. Like, you know, you know, like my wife cannot say I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> he doesn't talk to me. No, I'm opposite. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who talks too much. <laughs> this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need from you. This is how I want it. <laughs> I'm Verbal. You know what I mean? I, 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 yeah. Well, we don't, you know, we don't, I know you're busy, Tony. We don't got a whole lot of time. But speaking of, speaking of song, for all the people that don't know, you know what I, you know what I saw? Um, Lovey Dovey was higher on the R&B charts than with you. But it wasn't well, higher on that Billboard Hot 100. Right. It was. It was a bigger record. And yeah. And the, on the other I didn't side. know that. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that Lovey Dovey was the very first song that I ever wrote. And I was I was on the one train in New York heading down to my very first recording session for the album, right? And I'm I didn't know what I was going to be writing. I didn't know what it was going to be, who I was going to meet. I just knew his name was Bob Kazuri. And I'm sitting on the train and I kept singing, Is that lovey dovey feeling I get? And, I'm with you. and I thought, this shit is whack. Like, really? I'm trying to put it, I'm trying to put it out of my mind and think of something else. But it kept coming back to Is that lovey dovey feeling? And that melody. And, and then the verses came super easily. So from the trip, getting on the train at 158th Street to getting off at Penn Station at 33rd, um, I had written the song. So wow. I get I get over to the studio and I hear this music because it's playing so loudly through the door through and um, at this apartment. And it was the track that would end up being Lovey Dovey. So I'm standing outside the apartment 
I'm excited because I just wrote these lyrics on the train and they fit this music that I'm hearing. Wow. And I'm singing it outside. It's, I used to think that love was so silly then, all that kissing and stuff. I was, you know, and it was just working. So I sang all the way through the hook and then I pounded on the door and Bob opened the door and I was like, before I even said who I was, because he was expecting me. I was like, yo, who, who is this track? What's this music? What, what is it? Who is, who is, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, he, he was working on a, it was for In Vogue. It was for In Vogue? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I told him that I had written these lyrics that fit perfectly with this track. And, wow. you know, he said, well, let me hear it. And, you know, so I sang, I sang what I had over his track. And he was like, oh, they don't have to know. <laughs> so I cut it that day. I cut the demo that day. And, you know, it just, it, it, it was a fun, it was still corny, but it was a fun, fun <laughs> corny, fun, fun corny, you know? And um, it, uh, it, Robert, it worked. Robert, uh, CNC Music Factory, Robert Clavillis mm -hmm. um, came and played on it. And uh, he sampled the, the laugh in the front and, you know, did some uh, post-production on it. And I think that, that between him and the engineer that mixed the record, they made it into, they made it magical. Yeah. Wow. Well, do is, so with you is probably easily your most requested song. Yeah, right. That and Everlasting Love. Now, listen, I'm glad you said that, Tony, because before we ever met, I had the single, and I bought the I bought the tape album twice, and I said, "Man, why is people sleeping on Everlasting Love?" But they wasn't that song. But, but they it. wasn't sleeping on it though. <laughs> but listen, I, I didn't like Everlasting Love. I did not. Um, you know, when I was writing it, stop, stop, you, stop, Tony. You, I didn't. I didn't like it. And and I, I I was uh was working on, working on it with Bobby Reese, who I wrote it with, and I kept saying. Ugh. And he kept and he kept saying, "This song is anointed. Just watch. Wow. Just watch." And he just kept saying that this song is anointed. And uh, I remember having, I remember having um, Casey and JoJo. They were just about to sign their deal, and you know they was over in some hotel in New Jersey tearing it up. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I invited them over. I invited I invited them over to the studio, which was in New York uh, on on, uh, on Broadway and, and 47th Street, I think. And I didn't really have any money. I paid them. It was a little bit of money, but the real focus was the chicken and biscuits. <laughs> that, was, that was really all I had. Like I got, I got chicken, I got biscuits. Sounds fair. That sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> they, came up, they came over to the studio. I sent a car to pick them up. They came over to the studio and, and we did the remix together. And um, there's, you know, a remix? there's a remix to Everlasting Love with Casey and JoJo and members from Ex-Girlfriend, if you remember that group from the 90s, from the, from okay. the 80s. How come I never heard? Where's this remix at? I'll, I'll send it to you. I mean, it was it was it was pretty popular. It was it was part of the reason that it stayed so long was the remix. I can't believe you never heard it, man. I'm under a rock beat. I can't even believe it. <laughs> OK, so oh, good. we got about we got about. 12 more, 12 to 15 more minutes. I, what I want you to do, because you you told me this story one-on-one. -on -one. We was probably at a bar or something. I think we might have been at, I forget, we was, we was somewhere. But um, you told me the With You story for the first time, and it was years ago. For all the, for all the viewers here who don't know, because a lot of people don't know, 
Okay. Um, how did it come about? And and before you end it, who who was it about? Because I, I know. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait. 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 Okay. I'm messing up here. Um. Okay. So, it it was written by a friend of mine, Raymond Reader. I um. You know, we did a lot of music and theater together in DC. I would say we I would say we grew up together. Well, we certainly cut our teeth in the industry together. And Raymond went on to do some great things with Yolanda Adams and with um, uh, Renee and Angela back in the day. Mm. And, uh, so he, you know, I was, I was working on my second album. And I stopped by his house because he you know, he lived in he lived in my hood. So I stopped by his house to listen to some songs that he wrote. And with you was one of them. And by the time it got to the end of the first, you know, it's for real what I feel when I'm with you. I was, I stopped it and I was, I was, um, I was like, when are we recording the song? I don't know what's happening here. Can you see me? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know what's going on. All right. And, um, and so I asked him, I asked him, yeah, okay, so back in high school, you know, I had this crush on this girl. In, in my mind, she was my girl, but I never actually said it. Or I never actually asked her because it wasn't, I wasn't ready. You know? <laughs> it wasn't ready. And, um, oh, but I'm ready now. No. I was about to say, Tony wasn't ready? <laughs> I, I, no, I was, you know, I was a young cat. I wasn't, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't come into myself yet. And so, uh, and so I, was, I, was, I was intimidated by her because she was so pretty. And uh, so he's like, um, do you remember such and such? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's she have to do with this? Right. And uh, he was like, he wrote it about her. Mm. So I was like, how you how you gonna write a song about my girl, man? Well, she wasn't actually my girl, but you know, in my mind she was. So <laughs> I had a problem with that. <laughs> but he, so, so he apparently had a crush on her as well. <clears throat> Something that he kept to himself. And he wrote a song about her. People think that I wrote with you for my daughter, but I, I can only wish that I did that. Right. I did do a video that featured my daughter, and my daughter was the inspiration for me to record it. But mm. this, I didn't write it, so I can't. I can't even say that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, I recorded the song, and when it was time to choose the second single from the from the second album, the first single. Now you're on a label. You're you're assigned to a label at this point. Epic, yeah. Epic, okay. Yeah, Sony, Sony. Um, I was there with Michael Jackson and Luther, Tina Marie, a couple of others that, you know, I couldn't, wow. they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't, it was like, you know, I had no track record. I, <clears throat> they had spent millions, <clears throat> excuse me, they had spent millions of dollars acquiring my contract from Capital, which I was initially signed to, but I never recorded for. Wow. And uh, so I chose with you. And they didn't want that to happen. They just, just, they just weren't feeling it. And but wow. I wasn't letting it go. I wasn't just. I just. I couldn't even hear anything else. So I don't even know what the other possible singles would have been. But mm. I wasn't hearing it. It was with you, and that's it. Mm. So my record was released with. Um, back then, the radio was serviced with vinyl. You know, each city has a local promotions manager, and that manager's job would be to go to radio every Monday or Tuesday and get them to play one, if not all, of their new records that come out came out that week. And it could record pool. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like the, you know, like in the day, there were forty major labels back then. 
right? Yeah. So that means there's 40 guys walking into the radio station on Monday with about 10 records, and there's only five slots for the pe- for the program director to add records. It might not even be five. It might even only be one that week. So 40 guys coming in with a stack of records, and they, you know, play my record, play my record, play my record. So he has to listen to all these all this music and then decide which one he's going to add into rotation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my record was um, in one of those piles, but it didn't have any um, label markings on it. It was plain. It was white. It white label. Nothing. It was a white label. It had no information on it. In hindsight, I think that made that look stand out. It wow. made it stand out. It was the only one that was a plain white label. So I would be curious. At least I would if I was a program director. Wow. What it is. And so with you started growing with no support from the label. In fact, they put put it out and virtually ignored it. And um, it just started happening organically. It had nothing to do with anything that I was doing. Mm. They scored the song. And then uh, um, one day I was walking into our office and my, my our receptionist was out of her chair. And so I answered the phone. It was Anita Baker. I didn't believe it, but... You know, I went on. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> you answered the phone. The damn receptionist is is is, is taking the, the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you just so you just had the wherewithal. I was like, well, I, I walked in the office. It was ringing, and I just answered it. I just and, the, and the, it was Anita Baker who was looking for me, and I didn't believe it. I swear I did not. I was like. Just, oh, okay, all right, I'll go, I'll go along with this. And, you know, so she told me that she had seen a performance of mine. It was, that was on the party machine, which used to come on after the Arsenio Hall show back in the day. And she saw that she said, I was awakened by the, one of the most beautiful songs I ever heard in my life. And um, she was on Electra with, I'm just going to say what she said. I didn't say this. She, this is Nita Baker. And I'm quoting it. She said, um, um, she said that she hadn't seen the video for it and she asked me about it. I said, well, the label didn't think the song was a hit, so it's not going to be a video. She said, what? Those people wouldn't know a hit if it hit them in the forehead. <laughs> and, and then she said, I'm, on, I'm over here signed on the same label with Keith Washington and he couldn't shine your shoes. And <laughs> she just went on and on and on and on. Shout out to, shout out to Keith. Shout out to my man Keith. Shout out to Keith. I got number love for you, Keith. Keith, Keith, Keith's my uncle, man. That's my family, man. I love him. I'm just saying what she said. No, for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, and so she she asked me for the video, and of course there wasn't one. And so she's like, "Look, I'm gonna send you fifty thousand dollars." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay, um, yeah, right." Uh, she said, "I'm gonna send you this money, and I want you to get, uh, I want you to shoot the video for it." with you and i'm gonna call blair underwood who's a friend of hers apparently and he directed it and she just gave me just a whole bunch of things that i could not have paid for at the time and i asked her how how do i pay her back why was she doing this and she said uh, she's just like listen your job is to become a star and i'm just you know you just do that i was like okay well thank you i mean i don't know what else what else do you say what else do you say? It's nothing. First of all, it's Anita Baker. Right. Yeah. Second of but all, look, you don't say nothing. But you thank you. Thank you, thank you, Miss Baker, and thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. 
Um, but listen, moving forward about 20 years, 25 years, and the Monique show is on the WB. And I was on as a guest, and um, my wife heard that Anita Baker was coming. So we got tickets because her mother's a fan. Of course, I'm a fan. So we got tickets to come back as guests to see Anita Baker perform on the show. And they put us on the front row. And, she, you know, I, I, I doubt that they would have let her know that I was there in the audience because they don't know. No one knows our story. And, um, and then it was 25, 30 years prior to that moment. So she was on and she was performing. She was singing Sweet Love, I think. But right at the end of it, you know, she was doing her thing, you know, like she got marbles in her mouth. I'm sorry, Anita Baker. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, but she opened her, she opened her eyes and we made eye contact. She, she saw me and registered that it was me mm. and her eyes got big and she started, you know, lighting, lighting up a little bit. And we went to commercial and she was having a conversation with Monique. And I could tell that they were, I assumed that they were talking about me because they were looking right in my direction and right. kind of snickering and, you know, having a moment. It wasn't, a, I, I assumed that that's what she was talking about. So when she came back from the break, um, Monique talked about it. She, you know, that Miss Baker had told her the story during the commercial break. Mm. Um, so she asked her, why did she do that? Why did you, why did, why did you do that? And, and Anita Baker responded by saying that, I was being obedient to the spirit. I said, I was compelled to do it. I would have been, um, she said, I would have, I would, I would have been out of order not to do it. Wow. And, you know, that was a moment for me because um, I didn't know why she did it. I didn't, you know, I never got, I never knew. But, you know, it was a moment. It was a little teary-eyed moment sitting in the I audience. I mean, hell you know, yeah. Having, do you, having that. Do you, but I'm sorry, go was, ahead. No, no, no it, was just, it, was just, it was just a big moment. And then for, for it to come full circle in that moment, in that circumstance, in that environment, The sound just went out. Okay. <laughs> we, we back? Okay. All right, so that night, Jesus, I lost my frame of thought. My phone started ringing. Okay, um, that's why we lost the sound. No, you said you said it was a, it was a teary-eyed moment, and... Um... Yeah. Uh, then my next point, I kind of forgot about it, but it'll come back to me. You know, some marijuana reason, I'd be forgetting shit. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I didn't mean to say oh. that. So let me ask you this. So let me ask you this. Do you think without that happening, Tony Terry would be as, as successful and long lasting as he has been? This is a serious question. No, yeah, I, and I, a question that I take seriously. I don't know. I mean, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, my first single made a really big impact and then, but with you took it to the next, to the next level. Um, People forgot about all of the other music. And I had at least six singles prior to With You that were all in the top 10. But it, they were all completely forgotten about when With wow. You came out. And then, you know, it went, the attitude shifted from my label, which was, you know, only Stevie Wonder could do a song like this and get away with it. So, oh, we knew it was a brilliant song from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, me. they said that. So that's when I had to, that's when I understood that, you know, 
this music business thing is ego driven. And if you don't play it right, you know, it could be to your detriment. So I have to just let them have that. I have to let them have that. I mean, that's that uh, that whole sequence of events is obviously divine uh, in my in my perspective of it. Um, I know you got some recording to do, man. Thank you for sharing your time. Uh, you know, you're my brother from another, another mother. Um, what is Tony Terry about to do next? What, what can we look forward to? Step out of this room, this hot ass room. <laughs> that's what we, that's what we can look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing to do. So I can collect myself and then think about what the next thing in my life is going to be. Um, <laughs> Uh, dude, I, I don't know. I just like to be ready for whatever God has for me. You know, I'm always w- working on music. I'm always doing that. I was I was in a film last year. It was, actually, it's been two years now. I played um, I played Malcolm X in a movie called Martin Malcolm and Me, which wow. was you know that was that was an interesting you know piece to take on. I'd heard that I you know over the years that I resemble Malcolm X, and I never really saw that. If you um, put the Malcolm X frames on, it's a wrap. I had the haircut. Yep. I had the ring, and the skinny tie, and the black black suit with the white shirt. I was like, I look like Malcolm X. <laughs> both of y'all get both of y'all are damn near redheads too. Yeah, both yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was, I was. You know, the older I've gotten, my hair has darkened up. But you know, I was a, I was a blonde headed black boy. Mm. I don't know how that happened. I mean, my dad mm. was black, so. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, man. <clears throat> thanks for thanks for your time again. Like I said, you know you're my brother from another. Uh, anything you want to say before we sign off here? Well, you know, I appreciate you, man. I see you doing your thing. Um, and, uh, you know, however I can support you, man, you've always been supportive of me and what I do. And, and I, of course, I extend that same gratitude to you, man. But it's a pleasure to be here and chop it up with you. And, uh, you know, let's let's Keep doing it. Let's do it. Let's do it till we get it. Get it right. In the words of Aretha. Of Aretha. All right, y'all. Y'all have been witnessing the incomparable Tony Terry, Save Bond's legendary podcast, episode 10. As always, peace, young world. All right, man. Be well. Love you, man. Peace. Love you back. Legendary podcast. Ready for safe ready. You ain't ready. Ready for safe ready.